You're listening to Not Another Origin Story, the comic book movie podcast. I'm your host, Pokes, and as always, I'm joined by my co-host, Ben Chapman. Yes. Yes, Pokes. Stumble over your words. Yeah, I've only done my, this a hundred some times. I somehow forgot the opening. My curse is finally starting to take hold, thanks to Halloween month. <laughs> the deadliest month of the year. <laughs> yes, Halloween month. The clever name come up with by this podcast to describe the eerie sensation that creeps into your room in the dead of night. That, of course, being the sanctioned holiday of Halloween. No! Oh, God, the curse! It's affecting me now! That's right. You've stared too long into the abyss. I've counter-cursed you. Um... Uh, well, that's a full round action. Uh, but but of course, if we are uh, doing stupid, stupid, over the top, uh, 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 crypt keeper like bits, then you must know we are doing another spooky movie for Halloween month. Uh, our new favorite yearly tradition on this podcast. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think unofficially we did it last year. I think we tried to watch like all sort of like crazy movies during October. But this yes. is the first time Ben's creative mind labeled it for us all. And we've done vampires. We've done demons, kind of. We've done body horror, in a way. Mm-hmm. We've done, well, sexual body horror. But we still, Soft body horror, horror nonetheless. <laughs> you know what? That one movie hit a lot of beats. <laughs> and now we've covered, uh, I guess, just sort of vague existential terror, I suppose. I, yeah, I get this. This one was definitely curious. If you guys don't know, we watched 1970 something, The Vault of Horrors. I want to say 73. Yeah, 1973. The Vault of uh, Horror, which is the some... Vault of Horror, seen in its own poster art in quotes. Yes. <laughs> title... Like just raising up your fingers and doing air quotes, like Vault of Horror. I guess. <laughs> uh, and what's great about this is it's somehow a considered a Tales from the Crypt movie, despite the fact it's not called Tales from the Crypt, Vault of Horror. But at one point in time, somebody's reading a Tales from the Crypt book. So I guess that's... Yeah, y- yeah. the short version is that there was an anthology comic like Tales from the Crypt called The Vault of Horror, and that basically was written and produced by, like, I, I think the same fucking people. Uh, uh, and And so there existed both. And so they're both comics, and so they made a movie of one and then a movie of the other the next year, because Tales from the Crypt, the, the old one, is from 1972. This is from 73. Uh, but strangely, if you look up the five... Is it five? Yes, the five stories that they brought in, four of them are Tales from the Crypt stories, and one of them is from the, a, a comic book series uh, anthology called Shock Suspense. So that means that none of these are from... Vault of Horror comic, even though it existed. And then it makes you wonder, why not just call it Tales from the Crypt? Super British version. Well, the first one was also British, and again, made by like the same fucking people, so yeah, why not I just guess do Tales I, from the Crypt, another one? Like, why, maybe why change it? Maybe back in the 70s, you know, maybe they were afraid of the uh, the curse of the sequel. It's almost as if you've, you've written Star Wars A New Hope, and now you're like, ah, but the next one's just going to be called Han Solo's Quest. I'm just going to really confuse everybody. No, even, even more if it was just called, like, Planet Side Adventures. And you'd be like, that <laughs> yeah. seems, like, kind of, in, like, t- related. 
<laughs> why, why, why build a brand and then just abandon it one movie later? It's just instantly. They'd be like, we should really jump. But then in the movie, show someone reading it in case somebody's like, oh, I guess I, I liked those Tales from the Crypt. That makes me like this movie better. Bizarre. Um, Bizarre that Tales from the Crypt got like a meta reference, but not the Vault of Horror, the namesake of the film. Yes. <laughs> I thought they that was... And I was they couldn't confused. find one. Yeah. I guess they, the shops didn't have one of those. So they went with what they had. Well, the producers <laughs> were unaware it was the name of something. They thought it was like a passing phrase. Hence the quotation marks in the title. Yeah, Vault of Horror. It's a thing you say when reading Tales from the Crypt. Uh, but like like the comic uh, and like the show, Tales from the Crypt, people are aware of, it's an anthology film, which means that it has uh, five, some I guess, entirely unrelated uh, vaguely, stories vaguely related other than that there's a, a a a framing a framing concept delivered in the beginning where five strangers yes the, the beginning of this movie got me on a number of levels one super long opening of really boring shots of some city in england my first credit is Pogues is going to love this long, slow opening credit reel. I can only imagine he's having a great time. <laughs> I fast forwarded through it entirely. And I thought I had gotten through it when they were the people were getting in the elevator. I was like, all right, this has got to be the start of the movie. Nope. Credits keep rolling over five people getting into a extremely fake elevator. But the whole time they're playing like, I don't know if you remember the theme to the 80s Conan movie. Like, in the background, they're playing this very, like, high fantasy soundtrack of yeah. just, like, guys in leisure shoot suits getting on an elevator. It could not be less exciting, but they're playing this really epic music, and I was like, this is a really weird choice to be, like... My second note is, that's a big gong, because a big yes. gong rings several times while they're riding an elevator in what appears to be a run-of-the-mill office building. Yes, yes, which... So that you know it's on different floors, there's a painting in the background when the elevator door opens and they keep switching it out. I was like, genius. No one will know genius. that this clearly fake elevator is fake. And then what's great is, so it's these five dudes and they get off on the, the bottom floor. They go to the sub-basement. They push ground floor. They all get off on the sub-basement, which is weird because usually when you're in an elevator and it goes to the wrong floor, you're not like, well, I didn't push this button and then just get off. They get off and the door closes and they're like, but there's no buttons to recall the elevator. And they're like, well, it must be a lounge. Let's just hang out here. These five people are in a room that there's a chance they cannot get out of. And they react as if like, I don't know, the bus it's, is five minutes late. You know what I mean? Like their reaction also, is just like, huh. I also need to set everyone with the correct image because they aren't just five guys that get off in like what appears to be like a club like 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 a like a business like a pub downstairs. Yeah, no, it's like a weird hookah lounge. <laughs> it's a single octagonal room with a single octagonal table with only six chairs and no exits. Not even a fire exit. Yeah, and nothing. And they and they exit and say, "Well, time time to have some whiskey." I guess it's just like British or just I guess men in the seventies. Like, well, this is tough. Have a drink. Yeah, I also love somebody said, well, somebody else has got to come down here eventually. That's yeah. horrible logic. You all just said you didn't know this was in the building. Yeah, but I suppose that someone else was going to drink this whiskey, so it's going to, or this scotch, so it's going to have to go to somebody. And then what's great is, because they'll explain it at the end of the movie, which we'll get to later on, because I have some real questions. Mm -hmm. But these guys sit down, 
And they're just like, well, what do you want to talk about? And they're like, well, I guess let's have a mini therapy session where we each talk about these horrible dreams we're having. And they're all like, yeah, okay, I'm game. Yeah, yeah, sure. Here's my weird dream. And they're all super specific. And at the end, everybody's reaction is just like, wow, that was weird. It's it's, it's just such a bizarre story method. It's a real shoehorn because they they want these characters to start telling stories about their lives because that's going to be the framework for the five-part anthology story short stories but the question is like these five men don't know each other they're 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 uptight british men not known for being the kind of like open expository the british are known for one thing (laughs) and it's being very very like uptight and unemotional (laughs) like it's sort of a gag that like the british don't like you know showing how you feel but i just find it so funny when the one guy basically says, well, we all have fears. Why don't we each tell a, about a bad dream we're having? Because I'm not sleeping well. What's your nightmare slash phobia? I need they you all just go into it. I need you to imagine that you've entered like the, the waiting room of like the DMV. And it's like it's a really long line. And you sit down in like one of the two seats with like three other strangers around you and they all nod as you all kind of settle in for like a little bit of wait. And then one of them turns and says, tell me all your fears. Like, yes. I don't know that it's... you then just open up about what, what, what is, what, what haunts the shadows of your, of your mind. <laughs> Normally the question would be like, when they're sitting there, like, well, we have nothing to talk about. See, it's going to rain later. I know. I can't <laughs> believe that. How about Arsenal? You know, it's just like the, like the generic conversations. I tried to come up with a British version of what about sports Pretty good. team. Pretty good, pretty good. Uh, but, like, that's the conversation you expect to happen, but these dudes immediately go into, I guess we're all Freud. Let's have a conversation. <laughs> and then I think we should tackle each of these little individual things separately. You know, each of the little uh, segments or whatever you want to call them. So the first one we got was Midnight Mess, which... I could not believe how quickly the crux of this, like, the twist was revealed. It was like watching The Village. You knew instantly how it was going to end. I will say that I had some I had some serious concerns about this movie uh, uh, when this first story started. Because yes. the, the premise uh, is, because they don't give you a lot of context. This guy This guy says simply... this is his dream. And so this is how the dream begins. And so you, you, the whole time, when you set up the premise, this is a dream I had. The whole time I'm wondering, like, you you know, I'm wondering if he's just going to, like, walk into a room and it's going to be, like, you know, a cloud, like, like a a cloud up in the sky. And then, like, a talking car is going to honk and and pick him up. It's a dream. So I don't, like, know what we're in for. But as soon as he arrives, he talks to uh, what I assume is, like, a private detective that comes into... A boring apartment. I gotta say, too, this one, when I was watching it, I was concerned because I knew how short this movie was. It's, it doesn't even make it in, in 90 minutes. But this one felt like they went to film it and they were like, we've got this apartment for 26 minutes. It took us 20 minutes to set the camera up. We gotta get through all your guys' lines. There's no time for takes because it feels like each one of them is like racing to get to the the next line. And like you said... It's a super boring apartment. This guy comes in in, like, super dated clothes, which aren't dated because, you know, it was the 70s. But hands this guy a piece of paper and is just like, I found her. No context for who this is. 
And he said, did anybody see you come here? If anybody asks you that, you say yes. That's my advice to you, people who are listening. If someone ever says, yeah. does anyone know you're here? The answer is always yes. Oh, yeah. I've been live tweeting since I came into your foyer. So, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. When a uh, person actually, asks uh, you to I'm... secretly find somebody for them and then they're like, does anybody know you came to my apartment? You say yes. I told everyone. I'm actually on Facebook Live right now. Uh, but more importantly, I think the greatest thing about this, and perhaps about the 70s, is that um, the 70s in Britain, is that this man is not given much detail or character work, but it, we're believed to think that he is some sort of like sketchy like uh, 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 private detective or, or someone that you would hire to like follow someone, because that's the gist that we got, is that he's some sort of like under-the-table private detective. This man... This fucking man is wearing a pleather jacket and he is sporting a uh, a silk feather pattern or, or flower pattern, uh, uh, I mean to say, uh, uh, ascot or handkerchief around his neck. And I was like, when can we get back to the era <laughs> where tough guys wear, wear ascots? Like, get me there yes. now. <laughs> there, are, there are quite a few times where men are wearing neck accessories which it's just not okay when it happens. <laughs> it's just very confusing. But yeah, this dude is supposed to be a tough man. And he looks like, um, his, from like the neck up, he's in a Western. And from the neck down, he's in, I don't know, the worst fashion magazine of all time. <laughs> but And then he instantly just gets strangled, which I thought was a bizarre twist. You've introduced a person. We have no idea what's going on. It's a dream. He instantly kills this guy. And then he proceeds to uh, show up in this town. And we spend more time seeing him walk into a restaurant, be told it's closing, and leave than the rest of the movie, like the rest of his segment. Which yeah, is a ballsy this, move. This was a, this is an extremely bad setup for, their, for the entire anthology. Because of... I didn't time these things, but being that it was a 90... Did we say it was just a 90 minutes? Yeah. Like, uh, including 87. credits? 87, and, including a really long opening. And and credits, yeah. It's pretty long. Uh, or pretty short, I mean. So this this segment is like, I don't know, like 10 minutes, 15 minutes long? Um, and I would say about 14 of those 15 minutes is him just sort of like wandering around as if he's lost. Uh, and yes. so we don't get a great experience of like horror chasing a man. The story because... is not scary at all. No, the entire story is summed up with he is looking for his sister because, and it isn't revealed until he ta- finally talks to her. She's due a large inheritance from their parents' death, so he's going to s- kill her which... and then take take the inheritance. Which this is was not quite I... how it works. Yeah, here's what I thought was weird. Uh, if nobody knows where she is and she's been gone for a period of time, you can just declare her dead legally like if a person is just missing for more than seven years and no one knows where they are you could just file paperwork that says she's dead so as her next of can i get the inheritance and she's not going to come forward to contest it so he would just get the inheritance he's murdering people for no reason two way more scary when he murders her than the rest of the plot in which he goes to a restaurant they two people three people tell him look you can't be out at night when it gets dark, that's when they show up. So you're like, well, obviously it's vampires. And then his sister says, they found 18 victims drained dry. Which I was like, oh, well, this is weird. And then it turns out he goes to a restaurant full of vampires, which seems odd. Because if the restaurant's full of vampires, who are they just randomly attacking? You know what I mean? Like, 
I think the police could figure out what happened. That restaurant over there is killing people. But that scene, the restaurant scene, when he goes back the second time and he orders and the guy gives him like the most British definition of a meal where he's like soup, something, uh, meat, sweet. I'm like, just call it dessert, fucker. But they bring him out this glass that is supposed to be blood, but it's like the pinkest color you ever seen. And he's like, oh, tomato juice. And then drinks it. And just the guy brings out a soup, which is clearly just blood. And he keeps eating it. And he's like, this tastes weird. And then continues to eat it. Nobody ever says, this tastes weird. And then just keeps chowing down. I have a lot of problems with that entire sequence. Obviously, one of them is that, um, like, the, the primary one is that blood doesn't taste like another food. No. And you, <laughs> you cannot confuse it for another food. And definitely not a tomato-based substance. Uh, number two, this is the second freakout we have in this entire film about tomato-based products. So that's going to be fun. Mm-hmm. Um, number three is if someone showed up and said, hey, sir, welcome to the restaurant. Here's a V8. I'd be like, I'm going to go to a different restaurant. Yeah, like, he sits down <laughs> as if that's normal. But then we do have to remember this is England. So they, yeah, do, they eat blood normally. So I don't know why he freaks out. They have like blood pudding and shit. Like their, their cuisine is, let's face it. I'm sorry, English people listening. You've got some real rough dishes over there, including yeah. one that's literally made from blood. So I don't in know fact, if he would notice. Since we do have the Brits on board, I assume, listening to this podcast, and we're talking about their food, then I have to ask you a distinct and very very pertinent question. What the fuck is a pudding in your context? Because I watched The Great British Bake Off, and those aren't the puddings that I understand them to be. Sometimes they're cakes. Sometimes they appear to be the pudding that I would recognize. Um... Uh, other times, yes. like a gelatin thing? What's a pudding? You can't just be anything. It can be for them. They've got a wide... The English's version of English is questionable at best. <laughs> oh. uh, I will also say, I found this out because uh, this woman looked really familiar. The, the woman who plays the sister. And so I went to look up some of these people because I was like, this lady looks familiar. And she was in Alfred Hitchcock's Frenzy, which is what I recognized her from, I realized. Hmm. But oddly enough, that's her real-life brother who plays her fake brother in the movie. Oh, really? Yeah, layers. But I have to say the best part of this story, because it's this story is boring as fuck. It's the worst and, one by, by far. And wraps up very quickly. Uh, he's at this restaurant, and he freaks out when the guy says he's going to serve him blood clots. And uh, the guy opens up this curtain, which has a mirror behind it, and everybody else is invisible. Except for this guy, because vampires don't have shadows. And they attack him. And then when they reveal that everyone is a vampire, they have what I will say is the worst vampire teeth I've ever seen in my entire life. They are like, they're like straws. They come out like seven inches from their mouth and they're just laying there limply and they like are twisted the wrong direction. She's like, when she smiles at one point, she's the only one with like traditional vampire teeth, which is... Your canines are just a little long. I could not get over it. And this was part of, like, in these kind of old 70s and 80s movies, you expect this kind of horror to be, like, absurd, but not, like, cheesy. You know what I mean? And later, there's an, uh, one of the other stories, there's some really more questionable prop work of body parts. And it's just bizarre that you would put this in. And I mean, I could not stop laughing. I had to pause it while I was watching it because these teeth are just so ridiculous. The teeth are bad, but we we can't. Uh, we we got to talk about the the finale, which is where 
the vampires come up with, and we just watched a re- like a full-on vampire movie with Blade Trinity. Um, it is pretty great to see what it has to be one of the better tactics to enjoying uh, a human being that you're going to feast upon when you're a vampire, which is just to put a fucking tap. Yeah. Just, just, just tap that neck like it's a goddamn keg and just pour it in a glass. I love it what a what a good cleanup it's genius <laughs> that that's the only part of it where i was like when they cut back and he's upside down i was like all right that's kind of clever i'll give him that because the rest of this is fucking dumb yeah it doesn't like like it, the whole the whole story is this man lost in a village people keep telling him watch out scary people come out at night and then he goes to try and like eat weird british food and becomes he goes a, to have dinner after eating. murdering his sister and, and yeah next door out? By yeah. the way, next door, a place he knows is already closed. He tried there earlier. He's uh, mad because the sign's on. It's it's ridiculous, but but uh, let's let's jump ahead to the next one because I want to talk about all of these. Uh, the neat job is one we mocked pretty hard in the uh, mini episode, and it was correct. Uh, essentially, oh the, my god, yeah, I can't even. The premise of this one is the shortest of all of them. It just says uh, uh, a, a neat. Arthur Critchett marries Eleanor, and this is a, this is also another like sharp dig by whoever made this Wikipedia page. It says he marries Eleanor, a quote quote unquote young trophy wife. I'm like, whoa, all right, damn. <laughs> I mean, in their defense, this woman is easily his age. <laughs> yeah, they only the same age, very close to his age. I'm not trying to dish on like you know take a shit on this lady, but I but, feel and- like they are almost the same age. But and I'm gonna go ahead and give a warning here to those out those out there who are listening and are easily scared. Um, the context for this one is that he marries Eleanor, and sorry, I guess she's twelve years younger than him in real life. Sorry, this is really hard to say. Um, it's really it's really spooky. Uh, Eleanor, a young trophy wife who is who is um not not quite the housekeeper he, he hoped for. Oh, oh, yeah. I I mean this oh, this one also like I thought the first one. When this guy was like, uh, did you find her? Yeah, okay. Yeah, I showed up. Hey, sister, how you doing? You're getting that fortune. It's mine now. Uh, 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 you're dead. I was like, wow, that's a quick setup and resolution. This one basically starts with a guy being like, I married this woman. It's going to be great. I'm sure nothing will go wrong. <laughs> it's like the setup is so quick that this guy's like, I've got a wife. And then we see he's kind of a neat guy. He likes to have things in a certain location. By that... By that he has a diagnosed uh, uh, pr- problem. Like he's he's got a, yeah, he a genuine fucking problem. He is he is profoundly intense about his uh, about the order of his things in his home. So uh, yeah, it's 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 quite an intense scene to watch it to watch it unfold. Yeah, he gets like angry, but like the thing that struck me with this one, and, and it has something to do with the ending, is he just sort of kind of like he gets british upset like he doesn't hit her he's just like ah why do you keep moving stuff everything has a place it's got to be here you got to try harder and all this and you're like okay i mean he's kind of a dick and clearly he's got some real problems with ocd but then his wife is i guess suffering from ptsd where we're, we're led to believe after she seems to turn everything around she has some sort of mental breakdown at the end of the thing and then she goes on like a benny hill skit where she destroys everything in the house because she forgot to use a coaster i could not believe how that scene is 
easily the full length of the episode before it like the whole thing it's like five minutes of this woman knocking stuff over and like the weird like the weakest rue goldberg setups of like pushing one thing and something else falls over and then i think you should probably describe the ending of this one jesus christ uh uh (laughs) I mean, what's there? What's there to say? She puts him on. In, she puts his body in jars. Well, yeah. So he comes home after she's wrecked the house because she was trying to clean up the ring she left on the table for not using a coaster. Coaster. She's like broken stuff. She's knocked a picture off, off the wall. It's destroyed the drywall. She goes down to find a nail, and he has all this stuff set up, and she basically just knocks it all over for some reason. And then he comes down, and he gets really mad at her, and he just says, "Can't you ever do anything neatly?" About eight times in a row. And then she just hits him in the head with a hammer. And then it ends with her having cut up his body and put them in jars. And her saying, I did everything neat. Everything has a place. And they they pan down these jars that have his body parts in them. So fucking good. The, I, I'm pretty so sure. so poorly done. <laughs> it's the, the really bad effects. They are like your mom puts spaghetti in a bowl would, and says it's brains. Better. Yeah. Would have been uh, better. But my favorite thing is the fucking labeling because at, at some point she's like, I'm trying to figure out the taxonomy of what she ran down here because she's like, here's his spine in a jar. So that means yes. she like pulled his spine out and then like sectioned it off into like, like, like your spine three, could not fit into a mason jar. Three, three, three quarter inch pieces, I guess. And yeah. then it's like, it's like neck bones or whatever. It's all a bunch of really weird. like and it, ex- it, it's like liver. And then one of them is eyes and the eyes look like they're made of Play-Doh. Yeah, one of them is odds and ends, which I yes. could not stop laughing at. One of them is, I, I'm not kidding, was, is just miscellaneous, miscellaneous meat is one of them. I saw it. I paused. It's Emma, it's it's misc period meat. And I was like, yeah, I, I guess you probably could skip like fucking autopsy school, ma'am. I don't think you're going to yes. nail it. <laughs> it is insane. And then it ends and he's like, that's my fear. And you're like, oh, okay, well. This is sort of weird. The first guy, he's a double murderer who's killed by vampires. The second one, this guy's got OCD and is kind of a bitch and yells at his wife over what appears to be three days. Yeah, and they've very, apparently very not confusing. met at all before they got married. I should point out that this and all tales from the crypt stories are basically six panels long. Like yes, they're all super short. So the the pacing of these is going to match that. <laughs> But so this one, this one comes up at the end, which I have some questions about. But let's go on to. I don't, I don't think I have anything else to talk about. Uh, no, the next one. Um, uh, this will. Oh, tri- my, my one question is: These are supposed to be their dreams, right? They're yeah. saying like, "Here's my dream." Why is his ninety percent from her point of view? <laughs> it is strange, right? It's. It reminds me of the Rick and Morty where they do Morty's mind blowers. He's like, "Why can I see those other people's point of views?" He's like, "Ah, sometimes I have to clean them up. It works better on review." <laughs> yeah that's exactly what i was thinking um this will trick you which came from tales from the crypt this trick will kill you yeah which starts off um, with a great representation of people well, in india as soon as it opened i said oh no and yeah then, <laughs> as soon as it opened on a market in india i was like yikes a rudy this can't go well 70s and british this yeah. is not going to be sensitive and, uh, it, and, and it, it guy, wasn't <laughs> yeah, this guy has like the accent that people you know, are not okay with for an Indian person. And he's addressed in his, and I I just put down, I was like, ah, seventies casual racism. And this story is very bizarre. A man and a wife who are magicians 
go to India to look for new magic tricks. Now, I'm not, this is not an insult to India, but it's like, India known for magic tricks? <laughs> you know what I mean? Why would that be the place you would travel to try to I learn suppose, new magic tricks? I suppose it isn't the craziest thing, uh, uh, because there certainly are, like, magicians who would, like, especially in this era when it, there was a lot of excitement around, like, other other like yeah, exo- exotic yeah. nations you'd show up and be like i just came back from the the depths of africa and i bring this spooky okay, ceremonial you know thing you. yeah you know uh, what i love this movie now <laughs> but but they're like walking around and and they 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 watch someone doing kind of like basic tricks like uh putting a putting a blade through a basket and like putting a blade through his face and uh, um they're not too shocking kind of tricks but the th- here's the thing that's confusing though is this guy's a magician and then he goes up and he's like here's the trick it's like wait magicians don't do that magicians never show somebody how you do somebody else's trick unless you're like an asshole you know what i mean unless you're purposely like fuck magic it's stupid so he just like shits on this guy for just doing a magic show this this guy's done nothing wrong he's just entertaining a crowd and this old white British guy's like, fuck you. <laughs> Make money somewhere else. Which I thought was weird. And then later he just meets... I could not tell what was going on with this woman who appears to be like every female in the background of every shot. Yeah, I'm not entirely understanding if she is associated with the magician that's like ashamed like uh, uh, up front or, or what. But, but, but she reappears to be shown doing what is actually an impressive trick. Mm-hmm. Uh, even though the effects on it are so fine. good, so good, can't tell at all that there's a string attached to that wire. Nope, and especially not when the wire does some different stuff later on. Oh my god! Yeah, so he sees what is the classic, uh, you know, I, magic rope trick. You know, that is sort of like the stereotype of Indian swami magic. You know, where you play the flute and a rope comes out and it's alive, and she climbs up it and she climbs back down. And uh, this guy goes to, he sees it and he's like, oh my God, this is an amazing trick. And he like examines it and he's like, this is great. I'd love to do this. I'd like to buy the trick from you. How do you do it? And she said, there's no trick. The rope's magic. And he said, well, then let me buy the rope from you. And she's like, no, it's not for sale. And he pulls out a wad of cash and is like, I'll give you. And he takes half of the money and says like 40,000 rupees, which I think is, not a lot of money even in this like even by 70 standards i think rupees are like worth dimes you know i mean they're not like a a high monetary value and he's like i'll give you this and she's like no he still has like a hundred more hundred thousand more rupees in his hand and isn't like all right well what about all and it was just so weird i was like such a weird thing to throw in i want to buy this but i still want to have some money for dinner tonight you know what i mean like this trick could be groundbreaking but i don't want to overpay and so then he convinces her to come do the trick in his house or his a hotel room, and then just straight up murders this girl. I mean, yeah, like really quick murders her. Yes, it, at this point too, you're just like when he stabbed her. I was like, what the fuck? I did not see this coming. I thought it was gonna be like they were gonna kidnap her or like knock her unconscious. He just murders her three yeah, seconds he, into the trick. He, ta- he takes essentially like a short sword that he bought earlier. Yes. And <laughs> he's got his trusty short sword, as all British men do. And just fucking sinks it in her. And, and oh, and it goes through her like she's made of butter. <laughs> and and I was like, Jesus Christ. Like, 
it's 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 it's, it's a bit much and then he's uh, just like they, they go to drag her and he said ah, we'll put her in the trunk later just throw her in the closet and i'm like what what is going on and so they start playing and the rope is magic and they uh, put it all the way up something i also enjoyed here is that they try to just sort of like yank the rope out and, and they assume there's some sort of like i don't know like tension wire in it or or something inside the rope that's allowing it to ascend and then when they can't find something um he starts to try and play the song that she plays which, which he, he managed had a... to do yes which he is surprising is like a mu- musical savant but he i also a song twice and can play it on an instrument he's never seen before it took him a couple attempts which sounded like me like trying to tr- like do the new song they just unlocked for me in like ocarina of time where i'm just like all right up down no no down up down up <laughs> like he gets it a couple of tries it sounds like fucking the nails of every it. recorder class in grade school <laughs> Yeah, you just learned those first low and high note. But he nails it, and the the rope climbs to the ceiling. His wife is thrilled. She can't believe that it supports her weight. And this is the part that fucking confused the shit out of me. Because she climbs the rope. (laughs) She climbs the rope to the top, and then, without explanation, is vaporized. She looks up and screams in horror... And then disappears. Now and that, if, if you pause right there, I was interested. Because yes. I was like, oh my god, does the rope, like, go somewhere? Like, I, I, like yeah, maybe. I thought it was going to be like, there was like a demon or something that was like pulling the rope up for Exactly. Her, and it and, was just and, invisible. And the woman climbed too high. Perhaps, I, I didn't notice how far the original trick woman had climbed it. Yeah. Uh, but, but I thought it was going to be something like that. Like something horrifying. That would be fucking good yeah but it would have been enjoyable it isn't that she disappears without explanation and then he tries to like run to go see what happened uh, like upstairs or something because like blood is on the ceiling uh which again is inexplicable and and then the, the rope just sort of like badly animates to life and starts yes. lashing him and then and he's like that's it even though it doesn't even appear to be like breaking the skin like it, it hits his arm a couple of times and he's like uh the, and the he ef- runs off. The effect that they're that you see would definitely have been them being like, "Oh, we'll have, we'll try to like animate it, sort of thrashing this guy." And then they try to do it. He goes, "Oh, that doesn't look right. I guess we'll try something else because that's terrible." <laughs> that's what they should have done. But no, yes. they they said cut print on that one uh, asap. And then the it ends with them going back out, and the magician who had been shamed earlier is doing the magic trick outside of this guy's window and you look up and the magic rope has hung him and then the girl who they killed is down there playing the flute i could not figure that one out at all yeah she's not dead so she's not a mortal i guess she's i i could not figure out i was like what am i supposed to get is that her twin that's dead or that was the magic trick she was never alive it's also strange because like are you saying to me that like like indian magicians are immortal but yeah, they also, I was like, I was like but they, so but they also have real magic? But they also have to reduce themselves to just, like, flimsy street magic when they're out in, like, trying to make money? Because these people are, they're, they're paupers, you know what I mean? Like, they, they don't appear to be wealthy, I guess is what I'm getting at. And Yeah, it was very, like, the end, I was so confused. I was like, surely they'll address, nope, end of story. Yeah, it, it just... And I think that's one of the flaws with this kind of horror where it's just like, and then what if like a rope killed a man because it came to life? Oh, is the rope like 
the spirit of her mother or is the yeah, rope something. like we said before being being manipulated by the devil like what are like the constraints of this oh i don't know it'll just be real spooky and i'm like the answer is no it no it won't yeah um and and this dude was i i was surprised there was a couple of like people i recognized in this which i thought for sure i was like there's gonna be nobody in this movie i've ever seen before in my life but this dude was in a james bond movie he really plays, uh, i, I want to say his, his name's like stormberg or strumberg or something He's in, I don't know which one it is. I guess the I could just go look the at spy, his The Spy Who Loved Me. He plays, uh, yeah, Sternberg. Yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was like, I was like, oh, that's weird. I was like, okay, so I've seen that. Uh, and then, I mean, that one was just something. <laughs> but uh, then, oh, the next story. Uh, the next one is, I, well, I will... I will say that at least at least the magic one was a step up from the low stakes or or, or, or plotting path of the other two. You know what yes. I mean? Like there was at least some build up. I understood this guy was looking for a magic trick. He saw this magic trick. He wanted to buy it. He had shamed this Indian magician who this girl worked for. She wanted revenge. I got confused how he murdered her and she was still alive at the end, but there was something there. Uh the penultimate story though. I, I, the only premise that they could have they could have opened up with to create this story is what if two guys came up with the worst plan of all time oh my god i when he was explaining the plan i could not believe it. i was like there's no one would be dumb enough to try this this is the dumbest thing i've ever heard in my life this was sh- bargain and death great it, name uh the the short version described in the wikipedia is uh a guy uh it, it plans to be intentionally buried alive as part of an insurance scam concocted by his quote-unquote friend. The thought being that he would die on purpose, I assume what would appear to everyone as unknown causes because they don't well, do he, an autopsy. No, they explain, they explain it. He is going to take this drug that will slow down his heartbeat to the point where it will be imperceptible, and he'll have a bottle of pills that were like digitoxin or whatever, like the thing you take for heart conditions back in the 70s, and so people would just think he had a heart attack. And I was like, that is not at all what happens when someone suddenly dies. They're not like, no, he had heart pills. I guess that's what happened. We won't investigate to see if that's true. Because this dude could have just been straight up murdered. Oh, his friend says we need to get him in the ground immediately. Nah, we can't investigate. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, if somebody was so insistent on being like, he has to be buried within 24 hours, you'd be like, I'm pretty sure this guy murdered his friend. Yeah, it's pretty and strange. And why is his friend the beneficiary of his insurance? <laughs> I was like, but, are they lovers? Or Yeah, that that part is, is profoundly unknown. The other thing I have to address is that it's 1972. I don't mean yes. to, to throw shade at 1970s, but I don't know if this length is necessary to fake a death. Yeah, you don't need to be buried, dude. Just get to the hospital, get a death certificate, and the guy can be like, I'll take his body. I'm, I'm here from the like funeral home to take his body. Take his body not- and leave. That's not how insurance works either. Like, if you die, your the insurance guy doesn't like come to the funeral and write you a check as soon as he sees dirt yeah. go on the coffin. Like, <laughs> he's like, he's like, wait for me, buried. I've been well, bitten twice by this before. Well, he must be dead. He's got, uh, he's in a coffin. So uh, let's call it here. Here's ten thousand uh, uh, dollars. I, I, I love too that the setup is this: is he's gonna fake his own death in the most absurd and stupid way possible. Then his friend's going to come and dig him up, and they're going to get the insurance money together. Uh, You're not necessary for this plan, bro. (laughs) Like, your death is what's getting the insurance money? 
So he doesn't actually need to dig you up. I hope you thought that went through, which you didn't. But his plan is then to shoot his friend afterwards. And I was like, wow, this is like a double cross in the dumbest scheme I've ever seen in my life. Yeah, because in this scenario that you've concocted, you are in the weakened position as yes. the man that will be underground and will need the other person. And and if you've thought through the idea, I'll double cross him and shoot him as soon as I come out of the coffin, I guess, then you must have thought the reverse in which, you're, in which your friend just lets you die for real. Yes. Which would be it's easily done. It never occurred to him that could be a possibility. He's like, I'll just not dig up my dumb friend, and I now have this money, and I've already gotten away with it before he's died. Like, it is the best yes. plan ever. However, spoiler alert, the guy who killed him, the guy who buried him, and I guess plans not to get him because, or dig him up and kill him, which would be an even no, stupider plan. No, he, he was just going to leave him there. He does say, I bet you he'll start wondering where I am. But why is he coming to the cemetery at the end? He's when driving, he dies? I think, to the airport? I don't it's... know. The end of this. So, this is what I thought was weird. So, the, it starts with he's like, My dream starts and I'm in a coffin. And he has like a matches. And then later he's running out of oxygen but keeps lighting matches. I was like, Motherfucker, you know how fire works, right? Yeah. <laughs> like, it needs oxygen. That's one of the components for fire to work stop lighting matches but so he wakes up and he and it's like a flashback of him explaining the story and then all of a sudden it cuts to these like british stoner doctor students being like i'm never gonna pass anatomy if only we had a body it's like why would having a body help you have they, a book that has all of the information in it just rooting around in a dead body is not gonna help you yeah, these guys just come out of nowhere, and they appear so to be... So much so that I thought something was wrong with the version I was watching on YouTube. I was like, did this just cut to another story, or is this, like, a different movie all of a sudden? They, they appear out of just, like, the fucking ether of this story, and been like, boy, it's really hard to imagine what it's like to do these various operations. If only we had a corpse on which we could bring to our apartment? This is like, yeah... What yeah, is their plan? Like, this is, like, the sort of story you would expect to hear, like, if it was, like, a Victorian era story this is 1973 they have so many detailed images of bodies why would they be like how did they think just jamming their hands in a corpse is gonna help but what's great is they both look at each other like if only and so in my mind i was i, I was like are they doubling down like this dude's gonna be buried alive and then he's gonna be dug up and dissected by two idiots <laughs> i thought that's ballsy that's a but no then it cut back and I just assumed that that was a scene from a different movie that had been cut into the YouTube clip. They find the dead guy. He gets buried instantly. And these two guys go and pay a gravedigger with some very loose morals to dig the body up. And he says, what do you want with it? And they're like, that's our business. Okay. No further questions. <laughs> no yeah. follow-ups. This is a problem. <laughs> this is a problem, protagonist. If, if, if the people involved in your barrier are this easy to bribe then you should have just done that. You should yes. have gone to the gravedigger and been like, hey, can you bury this empty coffin and say I'm in it? Yeah, you got it. I guess I guess a hay penny is all it's going to take for yeah. me to do that. You got 12 bucks? <laughs> you got, you got a quid? Look, you buy me a twirl and I'll fucking forge the autopsy. I am yeah. a useless <laughs> gravedigger. If you, if you spot me for a pint. <laughs> Same again. Um... 
Yeah, it's but, so but look, dude. it's it's so profoundly stupid that he 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 goes through this near death experience just to fool insurance people that aren't there again. Yes, they're not the waiting company, by his grave. When you die, you have to tell them that you're dead, and then you just have to send paperwork. They don't come out to be like, "Show me the grave." Show they me don't. The bo-. They don't poke the body with a stick <laughs> to see yeah. if it's dead. No, they got him. He's definitely dead. But this, there was also a scene during the uh, where the guy's digging up the body. And he throws the dirt and it hits the one guy. And he's like, throw it the other direction. And then they change positions and he throws it again and he hits him. And they're like, they're like, is if like grave robbery is funny? Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's a real this weird like light moment. And then and look, the guys died in the coffin. Oh, go ahead. Well, yeah, I mean, to finish it, to finish it, as you were saying, the, the guy uh, uh, is, is dug up. He springs to life, desperate for oxygen. His he just friend, yells whatever his friend's name is. Morty his, or I don't remember what the fuck His friend is inexplicably nearby oh, alex as as the scared doctors run away they cause they, they the... run away like I, now albeit i was watching it at one and a quarter speed but sure. they run off in like a benny hill skit again like they run off a little too fast and they run out as this guy drives by and he's like going 200 miles per hour for some reason and he swerves and hits a tree and blows up and dies and then the two guys walk back and the grave diggers murdered the dude who just woke up which I don't I feel like there's no moral to any of these stories. Yeah, but also it's less that there's more of like a a continued message. But what irritates me about about many of these stories is that they could easily be a little scarier with just like a little extra tooling. Like we mentioned, yes. like the potential of that rope going somewhere scary. I don't know where, but somewhere the rope traveling up to somewhere scary is interesting. It doesn't even matter where that is. It's interesting. More interesting than just like a yeah. rope evaporates a woman. In like a rope that goes event horizon. You know, you get yeah, exactly. up so high and they made a mistake. But the other, the one that could be scary here is he has taken a drug that essentially puts him into a controlled coma. That's sort of what he's done, right? Yes. Now that coma, controlled coma, causes him to just sort of wake up in a coffin, which is kind of scary. Pretty scary. But well, he, I mean, buried alive is a great. I mean, that's one of my true fears. It, right, but they don't lean on that because we know in advance that not only does he have a friend who we 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 don't know until a little later, but we assume is going to come take him out. Is mm-hmm. we've also established these two doctors who clearly also want to get his body out. So there's no tension. I'm not worried about him getting out because there's multiple parties who are deciding to yes. get him out. So I'm not worried about that part. But what occurred to me as I was watching it when I saw him get buried is I was like, oh, shit, the doctor's going to dig him up before his friend can get there. And they're going to begin to do their operations on him. They're like, they're, 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 they're like, they're yes, like, I, that's what I thought was going to happen was right? he was going to be still under the effects of the coma. They were going to get the body and they were going to start cutting him open and he was going to wake up and he would be like dissected and just die from being cut open i was like that would be horrifying because that's what i thought way better they're doubling down they're taking a pretty generic because as soon as the guy expressed his plan i was like well this dude's just gonna leave him in the grave why would i ever dig him up and so then when they introduced these students i was like oh interesting twist on the buried alive thing like the the fear isn't that he's gonna wake up in the coffin it's that but they had already ruined that in the beginning because he was already awake so yeah it sucked yeah, uh, uh, so so profoundly disappointing uh, result. Um, uh, uh, when you just sort of like, you just have this guy with the worst plan in the world get his head bashed in by the the sketchiest gravedigger of all time. 
who apologizes but, to the people for killing him. The He's last. Like, sorry about the head. You can have the body. The last one said, uh, "I'm sorry. Did you enjoy the casual racism of two stories ago? Well, guess guess what? We're back, baby. And we're not going casual. This is gonna be rough. Yeah. When this story started, and he said my story, and I was like, wait, I thought these were dreams. But he's like, starts in Haiti, and I was like, there's yeah, no he, way this I is forgot that he end. said that. He's just like, anyway, my my uh, my horrible crime. Oh shit. I mean, my murder. Fuck. Uh, my dream. There we go. <laughs> But as soon as he said, starts in Haiti, I was like, this is not going to be a pleasant uh, portrayal. This one, drawn and quartered. Uh, the guy, I don't know if you recognized him. Uh, yeah, Dr. Fucking Who, my dude. Yeah, for like a decade. Also, I did not know this. Fourth uh, Doctor. He did uh, the voice of the Bendu in Star Wars Rebels, that weird force monster that's alive on the island, if you guys watch that what? show. What, really? Yeah, and I was like, he's still alive? Yes, He's he just was a narrator in a movie this year. I was, he was born in thirty four. That's impressive because I was looking up some of uh some of the other people and they're like all dead. Like every oh, other yeah, person yeah. in this movie is dead. So he's he's kicking ass. Nice, nice job, dude. Yeah, I was I was shocked. I was like, wow, they do have somebody. And he's he has I don't know if it's because of like the gingeriness of his hair and the weird beard, but he looks like I don't know like a bizarre version of Satan because like his beard's kind of pointy. But he's this this story got me on so many levels. So the plot is this guy's in Haiti, which he's for some reason moved to Haiti to paint because his art wasn't good enough for England. I didn't understand why he moved to another country and why he picked Haiti. You know, I mean, there's no explanation. And a friend of his happens to be visiting and tells him that his art's selling for a lot of money. And the guy gets really mad. And then he goes to a very culturally sensitive voodoo witch doctor oh boy oh boy um yeah he's in a hut he's boiling a mysterious cauldron he's got face paint and wearing like shrunken skull bones and yes he he basically has like a white uh snake painted on his forehead and then he has like you know uh, what do they call it like under black the stuff you put under your eyes when you play football to like block yeah he just that but it's just white bars just look up just look up any politician that uh, of which there are many that have has, has did a regrettable blackface costume some point in their college years, and that's what you'll be seeing here. Yeah, I I could not believe when they showed this guy. I was like, this is the most discount, broke ass version face paint I've ever seen. And this guy's like, I want voodoo. And he's like, What do you want it for? And he's like, Revenge. And he's like, All right, put your hand in the college. And he's like, I'm not gonna do that. And he was like, Well, then it won't work. And he's like, All right. And he puts his hand in. He's like, All right, get out. <laughs> it's like what just happened and then the guy just hands him a bunch of cash and leaves and so we find out that he's been given the ability to if he paints something or draws something and then erases it or damages the paper it happens to whatever the object is in real life and he finds it out in sort of a stupid way and then his friend who you would have thought would have left lends him money so he can fly to england because he wants revenge on these three people Here's my question. You've been painting in Haiti for like four or five years, right? You got to have a couple of paintings. Why not just go to England and sell your own paintings? You just found out they sell for 5,000 pounds. Yeah. Like, why I, not your revenge? Show up with a bunch of your own paintings and sell them. And those guys not, don't get any of the money. I'm not really understanding the scam because it sounds like they, they he, he came to an agent and showed him his work. And the agent said, I can't sell this crap. 
and then he re- did sell the paintings, maybe attributed to a different yes. person or something. The, the, no, this was the thing that really confused me. So here's the issue. There's an art critic who said the paintings are really good. There's an art dealer who told him they weren't marketable. And there's... I didn't really understand who the third guy was. But basically, he, he wants revenge against the art critic for lying and saying his paintings were good. I could not figure that out. He's like, you lied to the people. About what? Shouldn't it have been he lied to you about that your paintings weren't any good? But it seems he's mad because he's like, I suck. And you told people that's good. So I'm getting revenge. I could not figure out his revenge No, it's confusing. And also, if their plan was to con this man and take his art and sell it without attributing him because... Yeah, I guess just to save paying him a commission for I the guess, art, which, which seems, seems like such a... Seems oh, elaborate. Crazy. Seems like opening yourself up to a lawsuit for no reason. But yes. but more importantly... Yeah, is that just you, employing him to keep painting for you be worth more yeah, money? Yeah, because you sell his, like, three self-portraits or fucking whatever, and then, and then you're like, ah, this is perfect scam. Bring up the fourth painting. We don't have a fourth one. We only took three from him. Oh, shit. Well, can you get him on the line? <laughs> I feel like we probably could have made more money if he just kept painting for the rest of his life. We made him a star, and then we cheated him. Fuck. Shit. This is bad. <laughs> anyway, I got an idea how to get out of this. I'm going to drink this serum. It's going to slow my heart down. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Insurance rod. As long as my stupid, messy bitch wife fixes our house. <laughs> Anyways, I gotta go find my vampire sister. I hope uh, the blood clots are rare. Um, uh, <laughs> but but okay. this also introduces though the art agent or whatever. I you had to recognize him, right? Brody. Yes, Denholm Elliott. I, when he popped up, I was like, "Really, Brody from Indiana Jones?" I was just shocked, and the whole time I was like. He's just doing this for like a quick buck because he does not seem interested in this story. He was not acting at all. The pen is mightier than the sword. Um, uh, but but Brody is in his own museum. Uh, uh, Brody is so it's so fantastic to see him. It made me want to go watch Indiana Jones. This 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 episode gets better though because he obviously we know what's going to happen is he takes he realizes that he, he realizes that he's already done one of these voodoo paintings by accident because before he understood what the the man he visited did for him he finishes his own self-portrait so he's made essentially a voodoo doll of himself so yes he, he's yes. made a picture of dorian gray so to speak so he yes. has to so he has to take care of it so he returns to england and he stashes it in a safe uh then he paints his three uh uh oh uh his three his three targets i just was reminded of a note that i wanted to bring up a, a scene that was so fucking good is that he goes <laughs> earlier he goes to the voodoo guy's hut and he tells him i need your magic the guy says why and he says revenge and the guy's like sit down and i was like hold on what answer would not have gotten your help <laughs> yes that's what i love that he's just like revenge and he's like yeah okay cool that's what i figured i because- thought that's what you were gonna say just wanted to make sure because you assume it's like i don't know when you like go to get like what's a, a kid's like i want to learn karate to like kick everyone's ass it's like no it must be only for you know like like truly defending yourself or truly getting like you know vengeance against the, the truly inju- you know something some sort of like yes. moral code it's, it's all about like, self-defense never aggression like if, if the guy came him and said i want to use your magic to help people say like, get out of my hut <laughs> get the fuck out of here <laughs> Revenge only! Look at the sign! (laughs) 
Yeah, what anyway. the fuck? This is voodoo. Yeah, they're not painting a great vision or version no, of why no. you would want some voodoo. Uh, but the best part is he, he paints the three pictures, which are actually pretty cool looking. It was like 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 paintings of the three the three characters, uh, and then yeah. he and then he slowly gets to get revenge, which I thought this was kind of cool because it's basically Death Note, like the uh, yeah, the I manga because was, because it is was vaguely interesting. It isn't just like he like jabs a pen through their eyes and then somewhere their eyes explode. Instead, it's like he wounds them in some way, and then the world finds a way to wound them in that way, which is really cool to see. So like for instance, the first guy like I mentioned. Is he, is he he claims that he looked at his art and, and, and lied about its value. So he stabs him, his painting's eyes, with like a pen or some sort of uh, uh, blade. And then the, oh, the the solution to it is really strange because his wife is apparently, that, at that very moment, suddenly erupts into a fight having discovered uh, his impropriety. His, yes, his infidelities. And she reaches Screaming back. infidelities. And she reaches back to the, uh, this is something that's in every every British home. It's an armoire where you keep your open jars of poison and acid. Yeah, acid. <laughs> she, she turns around and she's like, you'll never see anything. She throws the stuff in his eyes. And I was like, what with that? And he pulls back and I was like, she just had a glass of like hydrochloric acid. <laughs> like I thought maybe it was like, you know, a chemical that's bad. I thought she was going to, like, pick up a knife and stab him in the eyes, you know? I was like, oh, okay. But then she just threw, like, fucking Harvey Two-Face over here. Yeah. It was insane. It was bonkers. Uh, the next guy I thought was was really upsetting, which is that he cuts this man's... Well, he's supposed to be cutting this man's hand, but really it looks like he just fucking bisected him across the midline. Yes. But he, he cuts off the, the painting's hands, and then we see this guy come into, like, <laughs> the most obvious trap, which is, like... Yeah, I could not believe, like, when they showed up, and was, <laughs> this guy's got, like, this old-timey, like, Victorian-era paper cutter press where you, like, crank a wheel and it slams it down. I was like... And the guy starts moving paper, and I was like, nah, I think we all see where this is going. <laughs> but when he cuts his hands off, and it's just the shot of his hands on the ground, and he's holding up his stubs, he's like... <laughs> I could not... I know it's wrong. I probably shouldn't laugh at that sort of thing. But it made me laugh so hard. His, like, over-the-top reaction to his hands just coming off, like, yeah. as if, like, they popped off, you know? And then, the, then they cut to him arriving at Brody's office, and he's, like, bragging with Brody, illustrating to him, like, aha, you know, I'm sure you read about it. I'm like, well, hey, quick, quick work that, like, you know, the paper got to those, the, those stories, like, day of. But, yeah, um, yeah. Also, like, one is just, like, a home accident. Like, yeah, I don't know why they'd really hit the paper. Like, if, if, a, if an art dealer, like, was, was, was in an industrial accident, I don't know if it would make the fucking papers, but it's yeah. fine. Um, but but the, the the he's the final guy, and he makes kind of a foolish gambit because he shows up with a painting of this guy ready to like modify it to get him to kill him. Uh, uh, but this guy like pulls a gun on him right away, and I was like, yeah, that's uh, pretty. Yeah, stupid. I thought I, I was like, oh, this is how it ends. He just shoots him. Like, pff, I guess that's hubris. You know, he learned his le- would, he would have learned his lesson. It would be appropriate for Brody to live a real Indiana Jones like death. Uh, yeah. Where- <laughs> just hadn't happened yet they didn't know what they were missing um but yeah yeah so so he shoots he he, he points a gun at him he draws a bullet hole on the guy's head and then this this now for the universe now forces this man to shoot himself in his own head and it is only at this point that the main character doctor who here uh discovers that he can't breathe because the painting he locked up into his apartment presumably a week ago 
<laughs> yeah, at this point. even if you're just like it's been a day and a half, you'd think by now it would have run out of air, or and it like happens as if like he's all of a sudden just like, wait, I, I'm having trouble breathing. Oh my god, I can't breathe. It's like, well, wouldn't it have slowly built up? Like, you know, if you were slowly running out of oxygen, you'd start getting hot, having a hard time breathing. It wouldn't just be like all of a sudden, oh my god, I'm about to die. But he 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 dashes home, uh, to to pull his. Uh, to pull his painting out of out of the safe, uh, but I, this is another moment where uh, I, I guess I didn't I didn't hate the way that it went, but this is another moment where I, I thought it, I knew where it was gonna go. My expectation when I saw him like pulling at his collar was that he was gonna run home like he, he, freaking out and getting hotter and hotter and discover that there was just sort of like a, like an accidental fire in his apartment building or something, and inside yeah. is like the safe with the painting like burnt boiling inside something like that, um, which would have been fine, uh, but. I kind of liked their ending, which is where... Except for it was, like, again, like a Rue Goldberg sort very, of... Like... Very, yeah, very, very, like, uh, uh, what's the movie where the... Where Final Jeff, Destination? Final Destination, yeah, I, yeah. I, I sort of called uh, that one guy's death in the insurance scam one. I was like, wow, real Final Destination yeah, yeah. moment here that this guy pops up and scares the people out. Uh, but but he, he, he realizes that he left something at the scene of the last crime, which, again, you didn't need to be there, dude. You got a death note. You don't have to go show up. At also, the here, here's the thing. Guy clearly shot himself. Even in the seventies, they they had you know they had gun tests then to see if he'd fired a gun recently. Yeah, you probably didn't need to go back and get your watch. He shot himself. Uh, there's probably little that would attach the watch to you, and even if it did, it wouldn't be weird considering that you have some career association with this man. And and his secretary knows you just showed up, so really going back to get the watch is not going to do anything because you could have just been like. I took it off while I was there and forgot about it. Here's an option. Uh, you said that you went to, to serve him with the lawsuit that you're going to file for the very, very evidence-based crime that he committed against you. Um, and then after you d- departed, he he maybe realized his <laughs> his error and discovered that it was going to be all over for him and committed suicide, perhaps. Um, I don't know, but he runs home. Yeah, because I mean, like, how could they really bring that home to him? They'd be like, you know what we think, buddy? We think you're from Haiti. You went to a voodoo doctor who gave you some sort of magical power which made him commit suicide. Like, there's no way you could get charged with that Let crime. Let me guess. You went to the one voodoo guy in Haiti uh, and you used the secret password. Revenge. Uh, <laughs> to, to get use of his powers. You went to old Doc Voodoo Revenge. I guess it's really in his name, isn't it? Uh, uh, okay, so sorry, one sec. Quick, take a note. Uh, new superhero character, Dr. Voodoo Revenge. Um, Isn't there actually a probably. character called Dr. Voodoo? <laughs> probably. Um, the finale is actually, I think, one of the better the better shots uh, that comes out of this. is because... Well, one of them is a good shot. <laughs> kind of an accident that it happens is uh, a, an exterior workman knocks over a, uh, uh, a container of turpentine. Uh, which falls through the window into his uh, the sky the sky glass window into his into his art gallery, landing on the painting that he's taken out of the safe and you know uh, uh, destroying it and like dis- disfiguring him beyond belief. At the exact same time in sequence, he is running in a complete manic uh, uh, ch- charge across the city to get back to the crime scene that he can just go ahead and leave alone. Uh, when he is and it seems like it's way farther away. He was almost going to die of. Uh asphyxiation and he makes it back fine but now he needs to get there it seems like it's several miles like you know a, a taxi ride away 
and that's when he's when that's when he's uh uh tossed under a bus um yes that, which presumably mangles his face i will say the shot of the melted painting is pretty good yes that was really well done and as much as i hated it i was like okay i kind of that that was uh, that was okay yeah now, partial racism ahead. aside it, it was certainly one of the better partial. stories yeah yeah sorry full on uh so then the sh- the movie ends with them uh all of a sudden a door opens up and there's a graveyard outside and they're like where are we and then they get up and they all sort of look outside and they all walk off and as they walk away in different directions they uh in a real 70s style fade out of the shot and we're left with i think it's the magician and he turns to the camera because that's what we needed was to break the fourth wall for this sucker and he said this is our punishment to retell the horrors that we committed in life again and again for eternity and in my mind it's like that's not a punishment your punishment is to sit in a lounge and drink whiskey and tell each other stories that's not a terrible afterlife the one guy murdered two people yeah, this is pretty bad too because they also have made it clear here that these guys don't. These are know, true stories. These are true stories, which we learned they're not dreams. But apparently, the spirits uh, don't know that the other people are telling like spooky yeah, stories. They don't know anything's wrong until the door opens and they see that they're in the graveyard, and then they remember that they're all dead. And then they so fade like, away and presumably return to getting in the elevator in some sequence. You know what I mean? But like, Yeah, I was like, that's not a punishment. Their life is just spent in never really being aware of the gravity of what's happened to them and drinking scotch, which is basically how British British men would... Off- yeah, would, would, would it was what the 1970s was. Yeah. Was Day obli- drinking? Uh, yeah, heavy drinking and obliviousness would probably be uh, a, perfectly, a perfectly privileged way for these guys to continue to exist in the afterlife yeah they were like this is basically we're actually like classier now than when we were like but this is the one thing that got me so this guy says we're forced to relive our horribleness and i was like all right first guy kills a private eye and then thinks he kills his sister to get an inheritance that's pretty fucked up the second guy has a wife who he gets mad at because she's not clean enough and she murders him and cuts his body up third guy uh what was the third one Maybe I'm doing it in the wrong order. Now I don't remember what order they were in. Uh, uh, the what third, was it? The, the third guy is the... Oh, third the, guy murders a woman for a magic trick. For a magic trick, yep. Fourth guy plans on committing murder after committing insurance fraud. Correct. The fifth guy maims two people and commits murder. So the one guy is there because he has OCD and is a, like not a good husband. Like He didn't physically hurt that woman, and they appear to only be married for like four days. Like he was a. Why is he with them? He didn't kill anyone. He's a shitty man, no doubt. Yes, but and th- in the seventies, I feel like he was probably the average husband. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh huh. Uh huh. Uh huh. So I mean, I'm not saying that like being a dick to your wife is excusable, but I feel like double homicide, in the scheme of things, might be a little worse as far as eternal damnation goes. So I feel like he really got fucked, and all the rest of them got off super easy. I mean, like, wouldn't you, if you committed murder and you go and you're like, oh my God, there's an afterlife and you're like, what's it going to be? Oh, I just sit in a room with four other weirdos and tell these stories over and over again. 
Oh, thank God. I thought something was going to, like... I was really you know, concerned. Eat my genitalia <laughs> for, like, an eternity. I, oh, this worked out so much better. I can think of a far worse death, like, say, uh, being eviscerated from behind by a short sword while trying to do a magic trick. <laughs> yes. Perfect. I think that may be a great possible terrible death. So, yeah, I just was so confused. I was like, this is not a terrible punishment. If, if somebody was like, you have to go to hell, but this is what it is, I'd be like... Thank you. That's such a relief. It's not even like a Sisyphean task. So, folks, uh, a place in any of these, place in the scenario of watching this film with or without, uh, uh, with with some friends or perhaps not, uh, could you find yourself having an amusing time? Uh, it's really short. So, you can get through it pretty quick. I think that if you were watching, like, if you wanted to get some real, real unique choices for like a Halloween marathon with your friends, where that we would be in living in normal times, then yes. this would be a fun one. Were, to were we not on. living in our own vault of horrors? Yes, uh, this would be a fun one to like toss on at some point and just like and just giggle at as you watch the absurdity unfold. I think because of its shortness, because of its brevity, because of like a couple of moments of success in some of the stories. Uh, uh, as well as some really out of place <laughs> cultural sensitivity, I think yes. I think it's got enough uh, facets to, to 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 be a good a good watch. But don't don't settle in for a date night with this movie. It's not that entertaining. No, I, I would say like yeah, if you were gonna have like a thing where you know like you said it wasn't the end times, but like you were like oh we're having a Halloween party, we're just gonna have Halloween movies on the background to kind of be like we can watch and make fun of. This would be a great choice because they're real short, so you could sit and watch 10 minutes and get the gist. And there's enough, like, kind of funny bits in there that you could laugh at. But, uh, yeah, it's definitely not a movie to be like, ooh, let's watch a Halloween movie tonight. I, I would say if you're going to do that, uh, Tales from the Crypt, Demon Knight, is much funnier to watch. Oh, yeah. Because it's just, it's like bonkers from, like, four seconds in, that movie is just straight bananas. And has like a really weird dance number, if I remember right. And Billy Zane is doing some real, he's acting up a storm. Yeah, I highly recommend both that movie and our episode. I agree. So I think that's going to wrap up our Vault of Horror. I guess we'll close the door on it. Ooh, what a clever bit. And I think that's it then, because as you guys know, Halloween is this Saturday, assuming you're listening to my, this as soon as it dropped. My friends, all all Halloween months have to come to our end. Um, uh, uh, but but please please return for our next event, uh, ho- holiday month, where we no. I, <laughs> well, uh, no next. It, thank, it'll be the month where we watch comic book movies that are thankful. Uh, this is gonna be. <laughs> Damn it! I just can't recapture the magic. How uh, many comic book movies are about a turkey? Well, that is a question for the listeners to write into us about uh, because we need yeah, your you help. Know. We need your help picking a Thanksgiving-based comic book film, please. If somebody can find me, I guess what we could have done is watch Spider-Man because I think it's Thanksgiving at some point in the first Spider-Man movie. I think that's as close as we're gonna get. But if there is a Thanksgiving comic book movie, let us know, people. We need we need to continue on with our cleverly named <laughs> holiday wheat months. Huh, strange that you pause right before saying clever. <laughs> I, it must have been that curse from earlier. Well, uh, if there's anything that can be said about doing this podcast and this episode is that I have a really good time uh, doing it with you. 